Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. If you're new here at Faith, I put all my notes in the Version Bible app. So you can open up the Version Bible app and go to more and see events, and you'll see my notes for today. Also, greetings to everybody watching on Facebook Live, on Twitter, as well as on YouTube, as well as on Faith Plus. If you're on Facebook Live, go ahead and start a watch party and share. Encourage other people to watch with you. Twitter, retweet. YouTube, share the link. Faith Plus, encourage someone else to watch along with you. Romans chapter 12, we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday. This is part four of our series, New Year, New You, question mark. New Year, New You. Because one of the things people like to do at the start of any new year or any new decade, they want to say that they're going to be new, that they're going to be different. And that's a good goal to have. But we need to make sure it's more than a hashtag and a Facebook post. That if we really want life transformation, we need to do what we need to do so that we can transform into the people God has called us to be. Amen? So some quick review until we get to some material today. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Touch yourself and say, this is my sacrifice. Did you know in the Old Testament they weren't supposed to present a sacrifice that had blemish? or was sick, or had different issues with it. If you're supposed to present your body as a living sacrifice, that means your body should be healed. Say, I call myself well. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about that in week one. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. We said that word transform means to change or to be transfigured. It points to what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. By the renewing or the renovation of your mind. When you renovate something, you take out what's old and you put in what's new. And so it's saying that if you're going to be transformed, if you want to experience life transformation, if you want to be transfigured, you have to renovate your mind. You have to take out old ways of thinking worldly ways of thinking, Babylonian ways of thinking, and replace it with how God wants you to think. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which lets me know if you never renew your mind, if you never renovate your mind, you will not know the will of God. A lot of people can say this is the will of God, but if their minds are renewed, they will not know the will of God if it walked in the room with a red hat on. So we're going into an election season. Everybody's going to say, and their mama, this is the will of God. But if their minds aren't renewed with the word of God, they don't know the will of God. So if you want to know the will of God for your personal life and for what concerns you, you must renew your mind. And as we talked about in the series, you have to renew your mind by the word of God. Because in a day of relativism, there is an absolute truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. 
Although people like to say today, my truth, her truth, their truth, our truth. No, there is still an absolute standard of truth, and it is the Word of God. And that is the only standard we can live by if we expect to experience life transformation, because your emotions are not a safe guide. Well, I feel like I should do this today. You're going to have so many different feelings in one minute. And if you're like me and you're hungry, maybe 10 times as many. Your feelings aren't a safe guide because they always change. Public opinion is not a safe guide because that always changes. Especially in the nation we live in, we have a short attention span. It's not just young people, it's everybody, every American, you know. We watch TV. If someone can be a villain one day, in 72 hours you forget who they existed. You're already on to the next one. So public opinion cannot be a safe guide. What's popular cannot be a safe guide. Even scientific fact cannot be a safe guide. Thank God for science. Thank God for medical science. Thank God for all those things. But all those things sometimes change. How do you remember in the 90s, milk does a body good? And so everybody drink milk now. It's like, well, milk may do you good, but not you. You need some almond milk. No, you can't have soy milk. You need soy milk. And now everybody doesn't know. Why? All these scientific facts keep on changing. So there has to be an absolute standard of truth we guide our lives by, and it is the Word of God. And God said in Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Thank God. Because if we thought about people, now if God thought about people like we thought about people, there'd be a lot less people on this planet. They cut me off. Zap! They roll their eyes. Zap! Thank God his thoughts are higher. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Somebody will get discouraged. Well, yes, God's thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. Well, I can never have them. No, if you learn to live your life by the Word of God, and you renew your mind with the Word of God, you can think the thoughts of God and live the ways of God. For as the rain comes down, as the snow from heaven returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereunto I sent it. God sent his word for a purpose, and one of those purposes is life transformation. And if you let the word work in your life, it will transform your life. It will not return to God void without accomplishing its purpose. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and get into some new material as we, I'm building to something I want to see at the end. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. We must allow the Word of God to renovate our minds. You might say, well, pastor, I grew up in church. Well, that's great. That's a good place to grow up. <laughs> but what if your church didn't believe the Bible? You know, there are churches that don't believe the Bible. It's in the church. It looks pretty, but they don't believe it. There are some churches that believe half the Bible. There are some churches that believe most of the Bible. There are some churches that believe the whole Bible. Thank God for them. But how many know, even if you grew up in a church that believed the Bible and taught the Word in a way you could understand it and actually could apply it to your lives, that you are only in church at best for maybe five to seven hours a week. If your parents volunteered or you were a PK, maybe 20 hours a week. But still, there are some hours outside of church. Hours where you're in the world encountering other people and without you knowing, different ways and thoughts can seep in. 
So that's why it's a continual process of renovating our minds to make sure our thinking, our thoughts, our mental patterns line up with the Word of God. See, the thing is, I am for mental health. I think you should take care of yourself, take care of your soul, take care of your mind. It is important. But one of the things I want to point out is so many people have different mental issues because they didn't obey the Word of God in the first place. That if they did what the Bible says about casting down evil imaginations, if they did what the Bible said about managing their emotions and forgiving people and letting go of anger and handling different things appropriately, they wouldn't have the mental issues they have today. Same thing with some health issues people have. That the Bible told them that it's your sacrifice, but you treat it like it's a trash can. And now you spend all your money on medicine. So there's so many things that we deal with, and it's because it's a direct disobedience to the Word of God. And it's not God doing things to you. It's not God punishing you. It's just you believe in seed time and harvest. How many know if you keep feeding your body trash, something's going to happen? It may taste good. It may be fried and covered with hot sauce. I like hot sauce, and I like fried. But it doesn't mean that's what I need to have every day. Because I believe God is my healer. I believe he wants me to walk in divine health. That means I watch what I put in my body. I watch how I take care of my body. If I believe that God is the God of peace, who the peace of God that passes all things can guard my heart and mind, that means I have to watch how I think. I have to manage my emotions and not just run to faith like it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a lifestyle. I have to daily apply the word if I want the benefits of the word daily. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Notice that Paul is telling Timothy, he says, You from a child have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This phrase, inspiration of God, means God breathed. This phrase, inspiration of God, means God breathed. The word has been breathed in and on by God. It is filled with his breath, inspiration, and power. The word of God is filled with the breath of God, the inspiration of God, and the power of God. As we talked about two weeks ago, Romans 1.16, we already sang part of that verse today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We know the word gospel means good news. The good news of the anointed one, Jesus, and his anointing. For it, what? The gospel, the good news about Jesus, the good news about the anointing, is the power of God. That word power means miraculous force, miraculous power, the ability to do miracles. So the gospel of Christ, the good news about Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing, the word of God is the miraculous power of God to salvation, deliverance, preservation, safety, and health, because that's what the word salvation means. That if you need some deliverance in your life, some preservation in your life, safety in your life, health in your life. The power for that is in the Word of God because the Word of God has been breathed on by God. God didn't just drop down a book that's ancient and musty and old and says, well, see if you can do something with it. The Word of God is filled with power. The Word of God contains the power you need to transform your life. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or is God-breathed, and is profitable, the next part says. The word profitable means advantageous and helpful for doctrine. That word doctrine means teaching, precepts, and instructions. So the Word of God, 
It's been breathed on by God as advantageous and helpful for teaching, precepts, and instructions, and also for reproof. Now, what's interesting about this word reproof, it simply means proof or that by which a thing is proved or tested. The Word of God will test you and let you know if you're the genuine or real thing. Oh, yes, I'm a radical Christian. You heard the psalmist exhort you earlier. The Word of God will tell you if it's true or not. The Word of God will act like the Maury show. Is you or ain't you the father? Is you or ain't you the real thing? Because a lot of people name the name of Jesus and wear the Christian t-shirts and have the bumper sticker. But Jesus said, I don't know who you is. The Word of God will let you know if you're the real thing. And then it will show you the real thing, but it also let you know where you are. We said it's a mirror last week, and we looked at what that meant. But how many, if the Word of God tests you, it'll show you where your faith is. See, something I'm going to get you near the end of the message and show you where your faith is. But do you know Jesus did that in his earthly ministry in John chapter 6? That Jesus was ministering to a multitude. He just came out of a time after his cousin had been beheaded, John the Baptist. And he went away to recover and to pray because he had emotions just like us. And then while he was there praying, this multitude of 20 to 40,000 people came by. And Jesus taught them many things. But then they were hungry. If, you know, Jesus wasn't a short-winded preacher. He taught all day. Y'all have not seen me taught all day. Africa got close a few times, but y'all haven't seen me teach all day. And so afterwards, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, the people are hungry. Probably they were hungry. Has anybody ever projected their feelings and thoughts on somebody else? So, you know, some people, who are the some people? Me. So some people are really hungry, and we should let them go so they can eat, and so they don't faint by the way. And Jesus says, don't send them away. You feed them. And when you look at John 6, it says something interesting. Jesus said this to prove him because he already knew what he was going to do. He exposed the love of the disciples' faith because he replied, if we had almost a year's worth of wages— that's not enough to feed this whole crowd so everybody else have just a little bit. So his faith was getting somewhere, somehow, I, almost a year's worth of wages to feed this crowd. But Jesus showed them, I still got more than that. Because you read it, it says that one of the things I was at a conference this week, and Rick Renner was talking about this verse, and I just love Rick Renner. I've learned so much from him. And he said, when it talked about, we know the phrase that they were eating until they were satisfied, it paints the picture of someone at a Thanksgiving meal. When you eat more, you know you ate more than you should. You know how you feel afterward, like, oh, I shouldn't have that second helping, third, fourth helping of pie and all that extra stuff I ate. You're like, oh, I'm really full. It said all those 20 to 40,000 people had the same feeling. And if they wanted more, Jesus kept giving. So while this disciple was limited in what he could see come in, Jesus says, I got it all. The Word of God will show you how much you actually believe for, how much you actually trust God, where your faith is, how much you believe God can really move in your life. The Word of God will prove where you are. But then also, this word means evidence, conviction. So sometimes all you have in life is that the Bible says it. 
And that has to be enough evidence for you. Because everything else can say it cannot happen. But the Word of God tells you that it can happen. And that is your evidence that you can stand on to see life transformation. Then it says, after reproof, for correction. This word correction means restoration to an upright or right state. We're believing for a year of restoration, and the Word of God is breathed on by God to bring you restoration to an upright or right state. It's also for correction and improvement of life or character, so life transformation. Then the next phrase is very interesting, for instruction in righteousness. Now, this word instruction, if you haven't downloaded my notes, I encourage you because it's a paragraph I'm about to read. This word instruction creates the thought of the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions, now reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body. Whatever in adults also cultivates the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. In summary, concerning instruction and righteousness, the Word of God provides the training, education, cultivation that you need to live righteously or to live according to the identity of righteousness Jesus already provided you. When you were born again, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is your standing. Your conduct should be holiness, but your standing is righteousness. You will never be more righteous than you are right now, Christian. You'll never be less righteous than what you are right now, Christian. That is your standing. So the Word of God teaches you how to live from your new identity. Not how to become righteous, because you already are righteous, but how to live from that standing of righteousness. Then it keeps going. That the man of God may be perfect. That word perfect means completed, fitted, having reference apparently to a special aptitude for given uses. So the Word of God gets you fit so God can use you for what He's called you to do. The Word of God gets you fit so God can use you for what He's called you to do. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished just simply means fully equipped. That the Word of God will equip you to do everything God has called you to do. So the Word of God equips and calls you to be fit to accomplish what God has called you to do. And so with all these benefits, it just makes sense to be in it more than just Sunday. That we need to do it every day. You know, one of the things we even do through the Faith Plus app, we send notifications so you can read at least one chapter aloud a day. So you can read along. So I don't know where to read. Check the Faith Plus app and we'll show you how to do a daily habit. Even in the age of grace, Christian disciplines are still needed. And one of those disciplines is reading the Word of God. Now, don't just read it at night right before you fall asleep. It's like, oh, let me get the Word in before I go to sleep. And you might say, well, the Lord said. Now, it's good to read the Word before you go to sleep. But that can't be the only time you read. Start your day, whether you start early in the morning or you start later, depending on your work schedule, your lifestyle. Start your day in the Word of God. And as you have time, read more throughout the day. Because if the Word of God can do all this, it just makes sense to get in it as often as we can. If we really want our lives to be transformed. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. 
For the word of God is quick. That word quick means alive and breathing. And powerful, which means active, operative, and powerful in action. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner, which means fit for judging of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Intents means manner of thinking, considering, and feeling. So the Word of God is fit for judging your thoughts, your thought patterns, and how you feel about things. Oh, nobody can judge me. The book can. You must let the Word of God direct your thinking. Or as I believe was Joyce Meyer, your stinking thinking. You must apply your mind and submit it to the Word of God. And do what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, that you take every thought captive. So if there's a thought that does not line up with the Word of God, some of you wouldn't act like a thought if you corrected your thoughts. You have to get your mind in line with the Word of God. Every thought that rises up that's against the Word, you have to take it captive. You have to say, no, that's not my thought. I'm not going to think like that. Every single one. Because it's the renovation of your mind that transforms your life. The New Living Translation says it this way, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So you'll get in the word. Or you hear the word preached or taught, and some ways you've been thinking and feeling have been exposed. Now, what some people do, oh, I feel guilty. I, you know, that word stepped on my toes. I need to go, for a church, go to a church that makes me feel good. Because the thing is, it wasn't even the preacher that exposed your thoughts. It was the Holy Ghost. And if he exposes your thoughts, then you just say, oop, that's for me. Forgive me. I'll do better. And move forward. He'll bring stuff that I won't even say to your mind right now as I preach. You just make a decision, write it down, yep, I need to change that and move forward. He's not coming to condemn you. He's coming to convict you so that you change how you're thinking because it's going to be better for you if you change how you think as well as better for others. So the Word of God will expose your thoughts and your feelings because the thing is you can lie to everybody and lie to yourself, but the Word of God will let you know, see, you've been lying to everybody. This is where you really are. Remember, it tries you. And then what does it do? It gives you an opportunity to change. I mean, one thing, if it exposed you and judged you, says your life is over. But it didn't do that. It exposes you so you have an opportunity to change. That's the power of the Word of God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18 again, scripture we looked in detail in weeks prior, so we won't spend a lot of time on it. But for the sake of review, for newer people who aren't here, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, when we look at it in context, it's talking about when Moses was on the mount with God, how he saw God, and then he was with him for 40 days and 40 nights receiving the word of God. And when he came down from the mount, he didn't realize he had been transformed. He didn't realize he had changed. And sometimes change is not always obvious to you because you've been in it day in and day out, but it takes someone else to say, hey, you know, you're different. For you to realize the change God has already done on the inside of you. 
And so Moses came down from the mountain, and he was shining. What was he doing? He was reflecting the glory of God. He spent so much time with God receiving the word of God, he started to look like God. Because whatever you consistently behold, you become. That's why so many people have trouble in their lives because they're beholding the wrong thing. Cool, watch Netflix. Cool, watch all these TV shows. But have you ever observed that you start seeing some of those stuff in your life? I remember I was, a number of years ago when I lived in another state, I was counseling a teenager, and he says, well, I'm always angry and depressed. I said, give me your phone. Let me see the music on it. And the number one artist who had all songs on there always was angry and depressed. I said, here's your issue. He's always angry and depressed. So this is all you listen to. So you're angry and depressed that you've opened the door for the same spirits that torment him to bother you. Because this is all you meditate on. This is all you're beholding. This is all you've opened up to. And that's what happens in your life. We have to be cautious what we behold. And we live in a day and age or even if, when you're raising kids, you do your best to protect them, you go outside. that You will see something that does not line up with the Word of God. And sometimes you can't even cover the eyes like, well, cover your eyes, cover your eyes, just walk with me. It's not realistic. So what do you do? You take them aside later and say, you know, I know you saw that today. What did you think about it? Yeah, I hear their thoughts and say, well, we saw that. That does not line up with the Word of God. So this is not what we do. Now, we don't judge the people. We don't think bad for them. Let's pray for them right now, that they'll receive the word of God so they can ex experience life transformation. So what are you doing? You're teaching them two things. We're not judging the person. We love the person. But we're not going to live that way. Why? Because we're not them. We don't live a certain way because we think we're better than people. We just understand we're not them. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We don't do everything. Anybody grow up in a house where, you know, you might say, well, my friend did it. We'll say, well, I ain't your friend's parents. There are some things they may do, but you won't do because you're my child. God's the same way. They may do a lot of stuff, but there's some things you're not supposed to do because you're my child. So we should be different. There is still in 2020 holiness, which, set, which means being set apart. See, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, his aim is still holiness, even in the age of grace. And holiness is being set apart or separated unto God's purposes. So there are some things we just don't do because we know what God has called us to do. There are some things we don't even get close to because we know what God has called us to do. Holiness is still right. And so the Word of God will expose where you're living right and where you're living wrong. Don't feel condemned because God didn't come to condemn you. Don't feel guilty because Jesus bore your guilt. Just make a decision. You know what? I do need to make a change. Holy Ghost, if you'll help me, I'll do it. And you move forward. So I'll make that mistake again. You might. Correct it and keep going. It's life transformation, not a magic wand. As we talked about in the series, it is a process. But we are with open face, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, or with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to glory, process, one level to the next level to the next level. 
that sometimes you get so discouraged because you're not perfect. There's only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. There's only one person who's got it all together. His name is Jesus. Every one of us are still in a process. And some of us are at different levels of the process. And so you just have to keep going forward in the process. You know, you may have had a mouth that was worse than a sailor's. You could tell everything about them. You called everybody what they were except a child of God. You were very skilled in cussing people out. Now you only cuss five times a day. <laughs> now we're working down to zero. But thank God it's not where you used to be. It's a process. You started here, and you get here, and you get discouraged because you're not there, and you're not someone else. Don't get discouraged. Just keep going, and thank God you're not who you used to be. The Word of God is transforming your life, so stick with the Word. You might say, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite and coming to church. There's always room for one more. Hypocrite just means actor. People act all the time. They put in another face all the time. Part of that word hypocrite means people, you could put on a mask inside the theater and change to another mask, and when you leave the theater, people don't know that was actually you acting. We're all in a different process. People say, oh, you want sinners to come to your church? Yes, where else should they come? We want sick people to go to the hospital, right? The church is a hospital. It's a life transformation center. It's a place where people can experience deliverance and healing, where their life can be transformed forever. So there are going to be people with all different levels of holiness, some barely, some not yet. Some of them we treat them, you got potential to be holy one day. Just one day, it could happen, I believe in God. He does miracles today. But when you think about where you used to be, and you thank God that God didn't zap you? Show the same mercy to others. This is not a country club for saints. This is Faith Christian Center. We have faith experiences where people can experience God, experience His Word, experience His presence, experience His love. And no matter where they are on their journey with God, whether they're far away or further in their journey, they can come here and experience and get closer to God and further on their journey. This is what we're called to do. We live at the end of time. We're not here to be a country club. We're not here to be people hiding away in the church and, oh, come back, Jesus, come back, Jesus. No, we got a vision. We got a mission. We have to change lives. Why? Jesus is coming. We have to ignite awakening. Why? Jesus is coming. We have to impact Georgia. Why? Jesus is coming. We have to influence the world. Why? Jesus is coming. We have a work to do. We don't have time to judge people. We got time to give them the word and get them delivered. So we stick with the book because we know the book has power to transform lives. So we have to do what God has called us to do. And we can't do it without the Word of God. We have to stick with the Word. So one of the things about the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it is a Scripture about the Word, but it's also a Scripture about being in prayer and praise and worship, spending time with Him. But also make sure you look at the Word. It's not just reading a book. It is God speaking to you. Remember, it's been breathed on by God. As you read the word, have faith that this is God talking to me, not just some Christian duty I have to do before I go to bed. 
Well, I have to start my day because Pastor Priest doing it today. No, this is God talking to you. This is how he transforms your life. And so remember we said this word transforms, the same word for transfigured. I want to talk about the Mount of Transfiguration here in 2 Corinthians 3 as well as in Romans 12. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Still building to where I want to get to today. 2 Peter chapter 1. And here Peter's writing this letter knowing he's about to die soon. In the verses before, he said, it's come time for me to put off my earthly tent, my earthly tabernacle, as it says in the King James. He's getting ready because he's ready to go see Jesus. He's getting ready to be martyred, giving his life for the sake of the gospel. And so he's writing not too long before he's going to be crucified. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We are not telling you some stories we made up. Because you have to think, there are a lot of con men, but most con men aren't willing to die for their con. Peter is about to be crucified upside down, sticking to what he believed. All these disciples, they said, no, this is what we saw. John said in 1 John 1, I can only tell you what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced. My hands have handled of the word of life. So this is not something they made up. And so you have half historians on Facebook creating memes that, you know, sometimes we have to remember what we are taught in grade school about how to research things and consider sources. But because it's a meme, people believe it. And it's like, oh, no, is this a generation? No, there's also generations living that believe anything that was on TV. So just because it's on Facebook or they have a YouTube video doesn't mean it's true. You know, I've done different series and apologetics before. And people say, well, yeah, yeah, this guy said, you know, Jesus was just a copy of this Egyptian God. That Egyptian God don't even exist. That if you actually had Egyptologists work their salt, they said, no, this is not even correct. No, Joseph's name is not a copy. You know, the thing is we just see something and run off with it. And there are Christians' faith who have been subverted and shipwrecked because of a clever marketing campaign on a YouTube video. When you look back at the root, you see what Peter and Paul and John and others stood for. They were willing to pay the ultimate price and not recant. John, an old man in his 90s, was arrested by the emperor. He was the last living apostle, original apostle of Jesus. And he said, you're an old man, the emperor said. I'll show you mercy. If you just deny Jesus, I'll let you go. And John refused. And the emperor said, if you don't deny him, I will drop you in this vat of boiling oil. And he says, I will not refuse. So they lowered John in on a hook to the oil. And they pulled him back out. And here he is. What's up? Because what was on John was too hot to be killed. He wasn't ready to go. He still had to receive the book of Revelation, which came later. The emperor couldn't handle him, so he sent him to an island. He thought he's an old man. He'll die on the island. I've got to see him again. But he left the island still preaching and prophesying to kings. These original disciples and apostles were willing to give their lives for what we have in this book, what people today just let go because someone on Facebook said something or let go because some politician didn't agree with it. But this word, they're willing to stand by. That's what Peter's implying. We did not just make this up. 
when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now he's about to tell his description of the Mount of Transfiguration. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with them in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now, you got to know, you on the mount with Jesus, and Jesus transformed. Moses and Elijah appear next to him. And all that, God speaks from a glory cloud that covers the mount. He was like, well, that's pretty sure. What he said, we got a more sure word. What is that? Where until you do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arrives in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation or private opinion. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he says, yes, this experience was great, but the Word of God, that we have in our hands did not just come because men thought to write something down. See, these holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, and this word should be a light that guides you in a time of darkness. The same way is that if the power went out in your house, there was a storm going on, and you had to find your way around the room, and you would have your light on your phone or a flashlight, the same way you would pay attention to that light moving around the room is how you're supposed to pay attention to the Word of God in these days. Psalm 119, 105 says it this way, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is what gives us light and clarity in times of confusion. This is what gives us light and clarity when everybody is going a million different directions. The word of God will expose your path and show you how to live. Now let me tell you this. Making a decision to live by the word will most assuredly bring an attack from the enemy. Some of you right now, God has talked to you about different things you need to change because you heard in the words of, I'm going to do this. And this is what, if God said to tithe, I'm going to tithe. If God said to forgive people, I'm going to forgive people. If God said to read the word every day, I'm going to read the word of every day. God is dealing with your heart for different things. And I'm telling you, you make a decision to live it, Satan will try you. Mark 4 tells us he comes for the sake of the word. You receive the word, he's going to come to try to take it from you. Now the thing is, he can't just snatch it from you if you don't let him. So he has different ways. Remember, we taught on this in the fall. Five different ways. Affliction, persecution, cares, the worries of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. He'll try those five different tactics to make you let go of the word. Those first two is just pressure. He will bring pressure to make you let go of the word. Pressure brought by people, pressure brought by circumstance. He'll try to make you stress out, try to make you get worried, try to make you be deceived by money. If you think money is evil, you're deceived by money. If you think money is the answer to all your problems, you're deceived by money. So he'll try whichever one works on you and your genetic backline to trick you or lots of other things, whatever else he can find you'd have an inordinate desire for to go after instead of God. He'll try to do all these things to make you let go of the Word. So nowhere in this Christian life is it just skipping through the flowers all day long, never having a problem. I guarantee you, you live by the Word, He's coming at you. But the thing is, it says we're more than conquerors through whom I loved you. So that lets you know there are problems, but you win. So, you know, last Sunday after I finished here, we drove up to Gatlinburg to minister at our winter youth camp. And so by the time we got there, it was close to eight. 
And so we started ministering and ministered to the kids about 30, 40 minutes on the importance of praying in other tongues. And then I said, well, let's do a Q&A. So about 15, 20 minutes, they asked questions about praying in tongues and how do they know if it's working, you know, good questions. But then they had some other questions. Needless to say, three hours later, we were in a, ending the Q&A session. And so one of the things, I remember two kids said, one kid at one, had one question, he's like, do you ever have any problems? And I laughed. I said, because the guy I was driving up with, I was telling him some of the things I'd faced last year, but that we beat because God is good. So this Christian life is not a problem-free life. It just lets you know that problems will show up, but you win. You say, you may run into something, but you win. You got to stick with it. And then one kid said, I get it. It's a lifestyle. This is not just for a moment. Yes, you will run into some things. Yes, Satan will try his best, but you are more than conquerors. Thanks be to God who always causes you to triumph. Thanks be to God who always gives you the victory that lets you know there are fights coming, there are battles coming, but God has said you win and you will have the victory if you stick with it. If you give up, you will lose. But if you stick with it, you will experience a victory that's worth everything you went through. You must resist the devil by continuing to do what the Word says and using your authority. He will try something. So you have to say, in the authority of Jesus, I rebuke you, I bind you, you have to decease from your maneuvers. And after you give that command of faith, you stick doing what God has said, and you'll have James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourself to the Word of God. Live by the Word of God. Do what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He says, Satan is not fleeing. Well, you haven't been resisting long enough. You're not supposed to be running from the devil. These old songs, I've been, I beat the devil running. I'm so glad. You're not supposed to run from a devil. He's supposed to run from you. But you have to stand on the Word of God. You have to resist Him. You have to make a decision that I'm not going to let you punk me. I'm not going to let you push me around. I'm going to stand on the Word of God, and I will see a victory in my lifetime. I will see a victory in this situation. I will see a victory in my body. I will see a victory in my finances. I will see a victory in my family. I will see a victory in my job. I will see a victory in my community. I will see a victory in this generation. So I'm not going to back down. I have to stand on the Word of God. You can't let go of the Word. You have to hold on to the Word of God. And you know what Ephesians 6 says? Stand therefore. Having done all, stand. And it's not saying stand, oh, I barely held on. No, stand victorious. Stand with your shoulders back, knowing who God has made you to be. Stand knowing the outcome. You got to act like Muhammad Ali and laugh before the battle is over because you know you win. You're on the winning side. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. You weren't born again to lose. You were born again to win. God didn't plan any losers in his story. He only planned winners. He planned conquerors. He planned overcomers. That's who you are. So don't let go of the word just because Satan tries something. I guarantee you he will try something. But if you stick with the book, you'll win. You must hold on to the word of God.
Make your stand on the Word of God and don't back down. Something else about the Word of God, getting me closer to what I actually want to say today. The Word of God also shows you your covenant with God. The Word of God shows you your covenant with God. See, there's the old covenant, which we've talked about a little bit, but there's also the new covenant. And the new covenant is between God and Jesus with you as the beneficiary. See, under the old covenant, if you messed up, you got jacked. But in this new covenant, he already knows you're going to mess up. But Jesus did it right. So the new covenant is not about your performance. It's about what you believe. Because it says in Hebrews 8, verse 6, that we have a better covenant with better promises. So every covenant that God has made comes with promises. And one of the things with the old covenant, it had a lot of great things to it. It had a lot of good promises in it. But if it's an old covenant that was good, with good promises, the new covenant has those promises plus some. Do you know what's good, what, why a 20 is better than a 10? A 20 has a 10 in it. Why is the new covenant better than the old? The new covenant has all the good of the old plus the good of the new. So the Word of God shows you your covenant with God. It shows you all the benefits that belong to you. How many know that you can have benefits that you never take advantage of? That is yours, but if you never grab onto it, you'll never experience it. There are people who will live and die without getting benefits from God, not because God didn't want to, not because God didn't send people to talk to them about their benefits. For whatever reason, they grab onto it, and they get into heaven. And it's like, ooh, you know, I could even imagine an angel taking them to this room. It's like, oh, wow, God, is this my heavenly reward? He says, no, that's what I wanted you to have on earth, but you didn't want it. A lot of people keep putting stuff in the sweet by and by when it's for now. Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, your bold, outright speech, because you're supposed to be speaking the word, which has great recompense of reward or has a payday attached to it. For you have need of patience or endurance. So many people give up on the word of God because they are not patient enough. They don't endure they don't hold on. They said, well, I tried it on Sunday. It's Monday morning. I didn't see a difference yet. <laughs> or they're holding on to the word of God for a situation that took them 30 years to create, and they haven't seen a difference in three days, so they don't endure. For you have need of patient endurance, that after you've done the will of God, you've done what the word of God said, you might receive the promise. Say promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith as a lifestyle. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now go to Romans 4.13. Promise. That you receive the promise by standing in faith with patient endurance. It says earlier in Hebrews, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It's like our founder calls it the power twins or a match made in heaven. That if you want to receive from God, it's faith and patience. Romans 4.13. For the promise. You guys ready for this? Are you sure? 
Ask your neighbor. You say, you ready? For the promise that he, Abraham, should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to a seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation for a second. Abraham, heir of the world. Here's what it says in another way. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. So wait a minute, what did it just say? Abraham was the heir of the whole world. Or another way to say the whole world belonged to Abraham, right? But it also said the whole world belonged to his descendants. And if you be Christ, you are Abraham's seed. The whole world belongs to you. See, so many of us are having troubles believing God for finances or believing for a house or believing for a car. The whole world belongs to you. The best innovations in technology belong to you. The best properties belong to you. All of the riches of this world belong to you. Every good thing that's on this planet belongs to you. Any good or thing that could be admired that God created in this planet is yours. Not one day, right now, you're an heir of the world. Right now, it all belongs to you. Some people are like, Shoo. I won't have time to finish it today. I'll do it on Wednesday. The whole world belongs to you. It's yours. That's the promise God made to Abraham. I give you the entire planet. Go to Genesis 14 real quick. See, this word, this covenant has promises that if you stand on them in faith, it'll transform your life. Imagine what's standing on the fact that the whole world belongs to you. Because if you grab it and don't allow Satan to convince you to drop it, you will experience life transformation. Genesis 14. See, one of the things, I'll probably get into it on Wednesday, is that Abraham was before the law. God didn't deal with Abraham by the law. He dealt with them by promise. God made him promises, and Abraham's job was to believe it. God is dealing with you after the law. God has made you promises. It is your job to believe it. So Genesis 14. So this after, the baddest army of the day ransacked Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities where Lot, Lot Abraham's cousin, was living. Abraham's family member was living his nephew, and they took him captive. Big mistake. They would let Lot and his family alone. Abraham would never mess with them. But word got to Abraham 
that this army defeated all the other armies of the air, and they took your nephew captive. And Abraham all said, we ain't, no, we don't play that in my family. So he got 318 people that were in his house. They didn't say they were warriors. Didn't say they were trained for battle. They just lived in Abraham's place. And they went that night and battled during the night. Remember, this is thousands of years ago. They don't have night goggles. They don't got radar and sonar. They don't got this stuff. But somehow these 318 people took on five armies and won on the blessing of God. The Holy Ghost taught them how to fight. And they got everybody back. They got Lot and his family back. They rescued kingdoms. It was a witness to all those areas that Abraham's God is real. So he brought them all back so people can talk about Sodom and Gomorrah all they want. They resisted that witness. In fact, the God of Abraham just saved us. Abraham didn't live far away. He could see the city. Everybody knew who Abraham was. Because even if he didn't before, after he saved the entire metro area, people would know who that dude is. And so when he came back, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, look, I've lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread from your shoe latchet. I won't even take a shoelace. I won't take anything that's yours, lest you should say, you made me rich. So it seems like Abraham had a promise with God, that God and Abraham had a conversation before all this went down. And so right after this, Abraham, at the same time, after his victory, after God had delivered him, what, is, what did he do? He gave tithes. Let's get back to a few verses. Let's look at verse 18. Now, this point, this is before the law, but Abraham, called Abram here, is already in covenant with God. And so, now Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, communion or covenant elements, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Pause. One of the things about covenant, in those days, if you got into covenant, you would take on people's name. We see a little bit of today in the marriage covenant. My wife has my name. Yes, she is still Raquel Butler, but she is Mrs. Carrick Butler. She has my name and everything that comes with it. Why? We're in covenant together. But even in those days, if families joined together in covenant, let's say you had a family that was really good at farming, producing food, but they couldn't protect themselves. But then you have a family that's really good at fighting, but couldn't grow anything to save their lives. They would come into covenant. Let's say the last name of one was John and the other last name was Son. They became the John Sons. They took each other's name and combined it. And so now they are one family, right? What did Melchizedek say here? Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. That's covenant talk. Abram, you're in covenant with God, and God's in covenant with you. So notice what he said to the man who's in covenant with God, possessor 
of heaven and earth. Abram, the whole planet belongs to you. After he experiences great victory and deliverance, then he gave tithes. So we should give tithes the same way. That because we know Jesus has delivered us, he has saved us, he has rescued us, he's redeemed us. So after we already know the victory he's accomplished for us, we present our tithes to him. Not in, oh, if I do, don't tithe, something bad's going to happen to me. No, I know what God has done. And so you get to chapter 15, speeding by for sake of time, that God makes more promises to Abraham, and Abraham believes and is counted to him as righteousness, where it talks about in Romans chapter 4. But you get to the end of Abraham's life, Genesis 26. Now, Abraham was not the example of how to be a Christian because he did a lot of things that you better not do. <laughs> but you get to Genesis 26. At the end of his life, it says, and God had blessed Abraham in all things. Why? He believed God. God told him, the whole world belongs to you. He just believed it. And he was blessed. And it became known as the blessing of Abraham. And we read in Romans 4, 13, that the promise was not just to Abraham. It was to his seed too, to his descendants. And it says, if you belong to Christ and you're Abraham's seed, you're as much descendant of Abraham as Isaac is if you're in Christ Jesus. That means the whole earth, this whole planet, belongs to you. That if you actually start believing it, you'll experience victory that just doesn't make sense. That if you actually start believing it, you'll get to a place where God has blessed you in all things. Because one of the things that says that Abraham, because he believed this back in Romans 4, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. What happened? Abraham started acting like God. In the face of God, he started talking like God. Why? That's what God wanted him to do. Five says, be imitators of God as dear children. So Abraham believed God enough to change his name from Abram to Abraham. He said, I'm going to start saying what God says about me. And as he did that, the transformation began. Then it says, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So what did he do? He did not consider the contradiction that this brother's a hundred. His wife is ninety. Blue pills did not exist then. <laughs> There's no way he's about to have a baby with Sarah, who they've been married for decades now, and they couldn't have a baby when they're young. There's no way they're going to do it at 190. It says he did not consider the contradiction. What did he consider? The covenant. God said it, so I believe it. God said, the whole earth belongs to me, so I believe it. God said, I'm going to have a child, so I believe it. He 
is being not weak in faith. So weak in faith is considering all the contradictions, all the reasons why what God said can't come to pass. Because if you consider all those things, you begin to focus on those things, and that's what you believe. Abram did not consider that. He considered what God said. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. What's strong in faith? Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Jesus was delivered for our sins and was raised up for us to be declared righteous or the righteous of God. So notice this. I'm out of time. The whole world belongs to you. While you're just trying to believe enough to have enough rent or mortgage money for the next month, the planet belongs to you. While you think about expanding your business a little bit, this whole world belongs to you. It's best innovations. It's best technology. It's best property. Come on, the best B-side resorts belong to you. Whatever the world would chase after is already yours. Not one day will be yours. It's yours already. So I need the title deed. Remember I said earlier, there's some things, the only evidence you'll have is the word of God. Here's your evidence. Here's your title deed. I'll talk more about being an heir of this world on Wednesday night. But here's what I want you to do just for the next few days before Wednesday to get you ready. I want you to read Romans 4.13 in King James and New Living Translation, just that one verse, three times a day, and say, the whole world belongs to me. At least three times a day. You can do it more if you want, but three times today, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and come back on Wednesday night and see where we go from here. Watch how it changes your thinking. Watch how it changes your faith. Because what I just do when I read that scripture, I expose where your faith is. Some of you were like, yeah, I have faith. And I said, they like, ooh, well, I thought I had some faith. But you go over that scripture and keep saying it a few times, it'll change how you think. And what happens if you change or renovate the way you think? Your life will be transformed. You're an heir of the world. It all belongs to you. Paul said another way, a different way, all things are yours. It's yours now, not one day, right now. You have the title deed. You're in covenant with God. It's time for you to believe it. Stand to your feet. I have to cut off here. I'll pick it up on Wednesday night at 7.30. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I believe you. I dare to believe you. 
that you made us heirs of this world and even more joint heirs with Jesus not sub heirs with Jesus you made us joint heirs with Jesus so what he gets we get because he made us a joint heir oh father enlarge our capacity to receive and understand this that we're heirs of God joint heirs with Jesus and that this whole world belongs to us. So Father, over these next few days, expand our thinking. Prepare our hearts so we can receive what you have to say for, to us on Wednesday night so we can see this manifest in our everyday lives. Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for helping us today. But now help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word so we can be blessed in our doing, as it says in the book of James. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And if you'll trust me, you'll see it manifest. If you dare to believe me against all odds, if you dare to believe my covenant with you instead of considering the contradiction, you'll see my power manifest in a way that would seem foreign to you, a way that you see, yeah, I knew he could do it, but I didn't know he could do it today. Or I knew he could do it, I didn't know he would do it for me. Yes, I read about it in the Word. Yes, I've heard testimonies of old. But I didn't know I could see it in my life, in this day. You see, you think there's so many things in between you and the manifestation. And all it is, is you believing on me. So believe on me, says the Spirit of God. Believe what I wrote in my Word. Decide to believe that you are who I said you are. Decide to believe that you can do what I said you can do. Decide to believe that you can have what I said you can have. And as you begin to renew or renovate your mind to that truth, you'll see your life transformed. And you'll grow and you'll grow and you'll go and you'll go. From glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. You'll be transformed from the inside out. And as you are, you'll look more like the Son of God. You'll look more like Jesus. You'll act like him. You'll talk like him. You'll walk like him. You'll do miracles like him. And then more people will turn to him, for that's what it's all about. But you must walk this way. You must believe this way, for the Lord is coming soon. I need a body that will rise up and actually believe me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the word of prophecy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Someone has a tongue. You got it? Go ahead and give it. And you can know and be sure what I told you will come to pass because I've given you the evidence in my word. But as you step out in faith, remember, I'm not leaving you by yourself, but I'm on the inside of you. And you'll be able to say, thus saith the Holy Ghost. 
and you'll know things from the Holy Ghost, things that education cannot teach you, things that your connection cannot give you, things you can't see but what you've learned and things you've experienced, but things you even only know on the inside, for the Holy Ghost will tell you where to go, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to say, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. There are some things I'll bring you to. Don't let yourself stress about what should I say in this hour, what should I say at this time. Just check in on the inside, for that's where I live, and then you'll be able to speak and proclaim what thus saith the Lord, for the words of the Holy Ghost have been given unto you. You're not in this by yourself. My believer, my child, no, I live on the inside of you. I rest upon you. I'm with you wherever you go. I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's us together, us in covenant, us in union, us acting as one as we go through your life, and you'll see my power manifest. So trust I live on the inside of you. Trust that I rest upon you. Trust I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And as you walk in this, you'll see transformation. As you walk in this, you'll see restoration. As you walk in this, dream will come to pass and visions will be fulfilled and doors will spring open before you. But you must know who I've made you to be and you must know where I am. Don't say, oh, he's far off in heaven somewhere. Yes, I am, but I'm also on the inside of you, says the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You see, I've written these things and given you these things so that your joy may be full. So it's time out for my believers to be all looking sad and long in the mouth and depressed. It's time out for you walking with your head down going, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's time for you to believe my book and smile and laugh and say, ha, 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 I know my God will see me through. Ha, 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 I know he's given me the victory. It doesn't matter what the enemy will try. I know I'm on the winning side. So get a smile on your face. Get some laughter in your heart. Stir up the joy of the Lord for it is your strength and go forward with boldness. Go forward in faith. Go forward in confidence, knowing you're going to see a manifestation from the God who loves you. Oh, glory to God. Someone lift your hands and give God glory. Oh, <laughs> oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you praise. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you praise. Oh, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Oh, we thank you for the gifts of the Holy Ghost, for prophecy in tongues and interpretation of tongues. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for speaking to us, Sabaha. Shakomandande, kishtoroma baha, sasa. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I command every sickness, every disease, every pain, every infirmity, every spirit of infirmity, get out now in Jesus' name. Your bodies are the sacrifices of the Most High God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Be strong. You be renewed. The life of God spring forth in you now. In Jesus' name. Some of you have been dealing with some issues. You might as well just move and see God just healed you in that moment of time. Oh, hallelujah. If you already tell a difference in your body, just wave at me. I see that hand. I see that hand. Just wave at me and testify what he just did. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Oh, Father, we thank you for the anointing to heal and the gifts of healing. Glory. 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 Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You got something, Psalmist? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Dathan, grab a mic. Glory to God. I want you to sing out, the whole world belongs to me because I belong to Jesus. The whole world belongs to me because I belong to Jesus. Whole world belongs to me because I belong to Jesus. Whole world belongs to me because I belong to Him. Whole world belongs. mine it's mine he gave it to me it's mine it's mine he gave it to me it's mine it's mine it's mine it's mine he gave it to he gave it to me it's mine it's mine it's mine Mine is mine. He gave it 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Section, lift your hands. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. May everything that belongs to you rush into your life now in the name of Jesus. This section, lift your hands. Be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. May the glory of the Lord rest heavily upon your life. This section, lift your hands. <laughs> Be blessed in the name of Jesus. May the life of God flow through you, energizing you, giving uncommon wisdom, inventions, and causing manifestations suddenly. Lift your hands. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online. 
and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.